Please turn with me now to Lord's Day 18 of the Heidelberg Catechism. I know that we are in Lord's Day 34, but the minister, Reverend Vinga, hopes to continue with the Ten Commandments when he comes back from his holidays. So we'll take another Lord's Day, and today we'll look at Lord's Day 18, part of Lord's Day 18. We'll read the first two questions, and then the beginning of the fourth question and answer. So Lord's Day 18 deals with the ascension of Christ. We are here explaining the Apostles' Creed. And the first question is, what do you confess when you say, He ascended into heaven, and that Christ, before the eyes of His disciples, was taken up from the earth into heaven, and that He is there for our benefit until He comes again to judge the living and the dead? Is Christ then not with us until the end of the world, as He has promised us, Christ is true man and true God. With respect to his human nature, he is no longer on earth, but with respect to his divinity, majesty, grace, and spirit, he is never absent from us. And then we go to 49, because the first question and answer says that he is in heaven for our benefit. And then the question is, how does Christ's ascension into heaven benefit us? And then the first is, he is our advocate in heaven before his Father. Now, if you look at 46 and the proof texts under number 2, you see there is also mentioned Hebrews 7, 23 through 25, as a proof text for Christ being there for our benefit. So the sermon will be on those verses. So please take now your Bibles again. And we'll look at those verses once more, Hebrews 7, 23 through 25. And there we read, The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office, but he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So that will be the focus of the sermon as we look at what we confess about Christ's ascension. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, it's an important question. How does the ascension of Christ benefit us? When you would ask the question, how does the birth of Christ benefit us? I think most of us can answer that. How does the death of Christ benefit us? We can answer that. What about the ascension? And of course, benefit means something positive. What positive is there, or what gain do we have, what comfort do we have, what encouragement do we have from the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ? How, how often do we think about the ascended Lord in our days, in the things that we meet in life? Or, if I may push it a bit further yet, 
Is the ascension of Christ and the fact he is sitting at God's right hand indeed for you a reason for joy? Are you thankful that he's there? We read the Gospels, Gospel of Luke, when we read there in 24, chapter 24, about the ascension of Christ. Then we read there that the disciples who had seen their master go up into heaven returned to Jerusalem with great joy. You would think the opposite. They had received their master back from death. That was quite something. And now they have to let go of him. But instead of being sad and sorrowful, they are filled with joy. So that's why I asked the question, does the ascension of Christ and the fact that he is in heaven make you joyful? And the answer to the question we find in Hebrews. The letter to the Hebrews is written to people, to believers who needed help. They were facing hardship because of their faith. They were in danger of letting go of what they had confessed. The, the difficulties, the opposition, the challenges were so much that they were thinking, maybe I should give up on my faith. And then the letter to the Hebrews says, no, you shouldn't. Because look what you have received in Jesus Christ. Because how do you help people who struggle? How do you help people who have need of comfort, of encouragement? What do you do? Well, says the Holy Spirit, look at Christ. Look at Christ and what you have in him. And then this afternoon, we want to look in particular at his ascension. And how that helps us to deal with the challenges that we face in our lives. That he is our great high priest who continues forever. And that is the theme for the sermon this afternoon, taken from the passage from Hebrews. Our exalted high priest continues forever. The letter to the Hebrews has a lot of connections with the Old Testament laws about priests, about the tabernacle, about the feast days. Already the part that we read in chapter 7, we read about it, but if you go through this letter, there's so many connections. So what we need to do this afternoon is, first of all, look at the importance and the place of the priest and the high priest. This morning we looked at the king. This afternoon we'll look at the priest. Also, that was an office that the Lord had given to his people. There was the king, there was the priest, and there was, of course, the prophet. The priest. What was his task? Well, the Lord had given the priest as an in-between, to, to stand between God himself and his people. And why was that? needed, well, God is a holy God. This morning, Psalm 5, he cannot take any evil. And the people with whom he has fellowship or wants to have fellowship, they're sinners. So how can a holy God 
and a sinful people have a relationship in which they are close to each other, in which they can communicate with each other. Well, that's where the priests came in. The priests were the layer of insulation that prevented the sin of the people to go to God and the wrath of God to go to the people. So they acted on behalf of the people, but also on behalf of the Lord. You think about the events in the tabernacle and the temple. The priest, the high priest, had, had that beautiful ephod in front of him with all the stones on it too, the 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel. And he would go too close to the ark, and once a year he would even be allowed in without all that fancy clothing though. But usually, regularly, they would go to almost that altar right by the, by the curtain, the tent of incense, the, the altar of incense. And then he would, he would lay before the Lord the need for mercy. So in a way, he would take all the sins that the people had confessed, what they did outside by the altar of sin offering, That he took to the altar of incense and says, Lord, please have mercy on your people. Forgive them. And then he would come back and say, the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord makes his face to shine upon you. The blessing. And so God's people could live. They had fellowship with the almighty God. They had him in their midst and he would travel with them. What a blessing. And so you see that a priest was a necessary link for true life. A necessary link between the holiness of God and a sinful people so that they could have covenantal communion and deal with each other as if they were equals. It's amazing. But it also means if there was no priest or if the priest was not clean, that's why it was so important that the priest was ceremonially clean, for if the priest was not clean, then the fire of the Lord would consume him, and there would be no fellowship, with no blessing coming to the people, and that means no life, no salvation. So the priesthood was necessary for fellowship with God. But there were some problems with this priesthood. The earthly priesthood came with problems. Let me mention three. Number one, whatever they brought to the Lord in sacrifice, it was not enough. It could not pay for the sins that we have committed. Their work was never finished. They had to keep on pouring blood, keep on sacrificing, and it was still not enough. The continual stream of blood that was insufficient. Secondly, there was the problem of sin. Because sin does not stop at the door of the priest. And also the priest, the boys that were born in the priestly families, were conceived and born in sin. So they themselves were sinners. And God demands holiness, perfect holiness. And thirdly, there's the problem of mortality. You only live so long. 
and also priests will die. So the sacrifices don't pay for it. The priests themselves are sinners and they will die one day too. Now the Lord realized that. So when he set up the priesthood, he gave regulations for all of this so that it was clear to the people more is needed. Yes, the priest had to be ceremonially clean, had to go through all kinds of rituals. And yes, there was a, a succession from father to son and so on. But it did not do what it was supposed to do. And with that, the Lord indicated, we need more, we need better. If we want to have fellowship with God, true salvation... We need a very special high priest. And the existing ones, the descendants of Aaron, uh, doesn't work. And you see, the Lord indicated that also in the Psalms. That is the psalm that we sing. And that is so often quoted in the scriptures. Psalm 110. The oath of the Lord You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Someone higher than David, because David calls him my Lord, is called priest after the order of Melchizedek. That means he is a new kind of priest. He's not in the line of Aaron. He's not a descendant of Levi. Because Aaron and Levi... They have these problems. Their order is insufficient. So a new order is needed, and that is called the order of Melchizedek. Well, Melchizedek, we meet in Genesis. Abraham meets him after he has defeated the kings who had taken Lot and the other cities captive. And Abraham had gone out to defeat them, and he comes back from defeating the enemies, and he comes past Jerusalem, And then he meets the king of Jerusalem, Melchizedek. And he happens to be also a priest of the Lord. And he gives to Melchizedek a tenth. He he is blessed by Melchizedek. Now, when you read Genesis, then we do not know who Melchizedek really was. Suddenly he's there. We don't know who his parents were, his ancestors, how suddenly you have this priest and king figure who is priest of the Most High, we don't know. In a way, that means unique, not predictable. And that is the idea used in Psalm 110 and then also in Hebrews. This is a priesthood that is completely unique, one of a kind. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is this priest. Psalm 110 points to him, because he was not in the line of Aaron. He was Judah. And yet he was a priest because he offered himself. And that's why in Hebrews 7, verse 22, the conclusion is, he is the guarantor of a better covenant. That covenant is now better because it is secured in this high priest. Jesus Christ. That means he makes the relationship between a holy God and a sinful people possible forever. 
He gives it a solid, firm foundation. It is better, indeed, because of the problems of the old, remember? Sacrifices could not pay for sin. The priests had their own sin, and the priest would die. Well, that last element, that the priests also would die, is taken up in verse 23 of Hebrews 7. When it says, this makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant, verse 22. Then it says, the former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. Priests die. Aaron was there with Moses. But in Numbers 20, you'll read that Aaron dies. And then Moses is told by the Lord, Eliezer, his son, is to succeed him. And, and from there it will go on. A very, very long list of priests. Wonderful gifts, yes. Serving the Lord in the temple. Making it possible. But they're mortals. They cannot continue forever. Or, you could put it this way, death, which is a result of sin, has also power over them. So the exact person who stands between God and his people is himself also subject to the power of death. It doesn't stop at the tent of the high priest. And that seems to indicate that death is more powerful than the high priest. So what is then our hope? What is then our comfort? If you have a high priest who has to secure a relationship, but he is also subject to death. Well, that's why in verse 24, it says, no, we have no one who is no longer subject to death. That's the contrast between the Aaronitic priest and Jesus Christ. Verse 24, he holds his priesthood permanently. He continues forever. That means there's no interruption. You don't have to worry that one day you wake up and there's no high priest because he died. This priest cannot die. And therefore, he will continue to do what he's called to do. Mediating between God and sinners. So we never have to be concerned that one moment, that link between God and his sinful people is gone, is broken. Because he cannot die anymore. It's not just that he will not die, he cannot die. Because death has no power over him. He rose from the dead. And that also means that sin has no power over him. But you say, well, didn't he die? Yes, he did. But the death of our Lord, brothers and sisters, is unlike any other death. In that he did it willingly. It was an act on his side. He gave himself over into death 
in order to satisfy the justice of God. And therefore, his death is not the evidence of a power greater than him, but is an evidence of he being greater than the power. He went into it, into death, and he came out of it again in his own strength. The grave could not hold him. He conquered it, and he defeated it. And therefore, his resurrection is the proof that he cannot die anymore. Death has no power over our high priest. Romans 6, verse 9, Paul writes that death has no dominion over him. And the Lord Jesus himself says this in Revelation 1, when he speaks to John and through John to the churches, he says, I died, but now live forevermore. So we have a high priest who cannot die, who's perfect. Death has no power over him. And why is that important? Verse 25, consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Nothing can stop him. He serves continually. So the link between God and us is a continual link. That is why his ascension is a benefit to us. Lord's Day 18. He is there for our benefit. We gain from it. He is our advocate before the Father. Or as the text says it, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. So when you go to God through this high priest, you don't have to worry that somehow you cannot come to God. Because he's there. Perfectly. Always interceding for us. He is able to save us completely. And and it speaks here in the present tense. Not he will save us, future. No, right now, as you go through your questions, your struggles, your grief, your loneliness, and you wonder, where is the Lord? How can I deal with this? We have a high priest through whom we draw near to God. We know that relationship with Father in heaven is open. That he looks at us and we can speak to him through this high priest. He restores us to the Father. And so the relationship between God and us is not open because of our piety or because of who we are. It is because of the high priest that we have. And that he is above death. So that even when we go through hardship, and it may even be at times that we think God doesn't hear us, the Psalms that speak about that, we know by faith it's not true. We may feel that he has forsaken us, but by faith we know it is not true. Because of him, 
between God and us. Because in him, God holds on to us. In this life, and also when we have to face the last enemy. When we have to face the end of this life. That last gate that we have to go through. Also there, the high priest doesn't stop to intercede and to save us, to keep us in fellowship with the Father. Nothing can separate us from God's love in Jesus Christ. He always lives to make intercession. Brothers and sisters, that is his permanent work. That's what we're doing right now. And that's why we don't need to worry. Will he be there? Will he hear me? That's his calling. And he does it for you, for me. And that's why verse 26, this is the kind of high priest that we need. He is holy, he's innocent, he's unstained, he's separated, he's exalted above the heavens. He doesn't have to offer for himself daily sacrifices for his own sins and then for He is sitting at the right hand of God. Brothers and sisters, I ask you the question, do you rejoice in the ascension of Christ? I ask the question, how how does the ascension of Christ function in your life? I said the birth we understand, the death we understand. What about the resurrection? Do you see how important it is? Do we understand how important it is that Christ continually intercedes for us before the Father? We wouldn't have a life without that. We wouldn't have hope without that. But now we know that we have hope and we have life and we have encouragement. And that's the direction of the letter to the Hebrews. They were in danger of giving up. So don't do that. Look what you have in Christ. So brothers and sisters, the ascension of Christ is not a minor detail, but it shows an aspect, an amazing aspect of the manifold wisdom of our God that we need to know in order to live and to die in the joy of our comfort. Because we need help. We have our struggles. No different than the Hebrews. And here the Spirit comes to you. And this is what you confess in the catechism. This is what you say. I believe the ascension of Christ. And I believe that He is there for my benefit until we come again to judge the living and the dead. In your struggles, in your grief, There lies your strength. No, it's not in yourself and how well you are able to do things or how well you're even able to pray. It's because of his prayer. His work as a high priest. And he's the one who comes to you by his word and by his spirit. And he keeps you in the salvation that he has obtained by his death. He continues forever. I think here of Psalm 121, the keeper of Israel. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. 
And he keeps your foot from falling. You're coming in and you're going out. He watches over. Why? Because of this high priest. And in him, God shows his love for you. His care. He gave to you the perfect high priest. Made perfect forever. So enter this week. Begin this week. Celebrating. Rejoicing. For what you have in the high priest. What you share. Because of his work. Because that work of Jesus Christ is not something that maybe one day we will attain to. Once this life is over. You go through life every day. In the certainty of an exalted high priest. And so work with that treasure. Rejoice in the ascension of Jesus Christ. Draw near to God in freedom, in confidence through him. And therefore let us sing of his ascension with joy and adoration. Amen. Our song of response is hymn 42.